Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Good morning. My name's Chris. Welcome to the Rhodes Church. God is good. All the time. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We honor your presence, God. Yeah. I mean, it's ever felt like it. you're just not enough. I mean, it's ever felt that way. You're just not enough. You just feel like that sometimes that you, you live to the standards of people and you try to do what's right and you give your heart and your life to things and you just, you just feel like you're not enough. I just want to encourage you this morning that with God you're enough. He has an identity. He has a purpose. He has a plan, plans for your life. And I know sometimes we get so out of the character of God because we have agendas and we have things that we have to accomplish by deadlines. But God's not interested in deadlines. He's interested in hearts. That's what he's interested in. Because if he can get your heart and my heart, then he's got what he came to die for. And he is that, he is the person that can fill the void in your life today. I feel like there's some people that maybe you're struggling this morning because you feel like that there's a, you have a big void in your life. And God is saying today that he wants to fill that void. And maybe God used to occupy and fill that place, but maybe somewhere in the midst of all the busyness and distractive lives and all these things, maybe God got pushed to the side. And God says that he continues, he wants to continue to set up kingship in your heart. He wants to continue to be the one and only true God in your life. He does. And sometimes we don't see it because we're so distracted by other things in life. And we don't give him the place. We don't give him the time. The only time that we give him, if the only time that we give him is when we come to church, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. We can hear great messages. We can hear, I mean, we, we, we can hear the Bible just unpackaged. But if we never apply it to our life, if we never make it applicable to our life, I'm just, I'm tired of what the enemy's doing. I'm tired of what the enemy's doing to my family, 
and my friends. And I want to take back what the enemy stolen. Yeah. Because he has no authority to take what is not his. It's not his. It's ours. It's God's. It's his kingdom. But you know what he said? Jesus said, if you are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is yours. That means that we come to him bankrupt of everything else in our life. And when we come to him in that state, in that posture, the kingdom of heaven will unfold in our lives. And I just want to talk to you from a place today because I believe God is challenging me. I believe God is challenging my heart to go for what God has already promised me. But sometimes in my life, sometimes there's a big gap between the yes and the so be it, the amen place. There's a big gap sometimes. And maybe you're not ever been in that place, but sometimes I feel like that I want the promises of God in my life. I want the land that God has promised me. I want to occupy the promises and everything that he has for me. And I say yes to it. But sometimes there's a gap between that and the place of results and fulfillment. And I just, God's been encouraging me that he said, Chris, between yes and amen, he said, you need, a, you need a vehicle to drive from here to here because sometimes in this place from here to here, in this area here, all we do is wonder. All we do is wonder. I grew up, I know God has promises for my life. I know God has promises for my life. And I say amen to him. But there's sometimes I want to see evidence of the promises that God has for my life. I want to walk in the fulfillment of the promises of God in my life. And the Bible talks about in Numbers chapter 13. I'm just going to read it uh, to you if you have your Bibles there. Numbers chapter 13, um, verse 26. And God is challenging me. And I believe that he's challenged a body of people and a generation that will go after, as pastor declared and prophesied over that youngster, that, that the deep promises of God, things that God may not show everybody else. It's not that God doesn't want to show you the promises. Don't get me wrong. God wants to show you the promises. It's just God's waiting for you to get in alignment with him so he can reveal what is already there. But the Bible says in, in Numbers 13, it says, Now they departed and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It was truly flowing with milk and honey. And here's the fruit. But nevertheless, you ever had anybody in your life ever say that? You 
tell some good news and you're excited and all these things and all of a sudden it's like downer, right? Nevertheless, it says the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of, of the giants there, the Amalekites and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites and the Canaanites. Then Caleb, this is what I like about this passage of scripture because I believe that we have to have a voice and a heart like Caleb. I believe that the enemy is stolen too long from the body of Christ. I believe the enemy is used as political platforms. I believe the enemy is used in parties that we've already talked about this. But I believe today that God is wanting us to take back the land. I believe that the land belongs to us. I believe the land belongs to the children. I believe the land belongs to, to, to his sons and his daughters. And I believe today that I want to encourage you today because I believe that the land that is being occupied by the enemy is not his, it's yours. But the reason that we're not getting the land is because we're walking by sight and not by faith. If you will walk by faith and not by sight, not by what you see, but by what you're experiencing in your heart, we will see the, the promises of God and things unfold in a powerful way. We will see the kingdom on earth. We're asking for God's kingdom every day. We want his kingdom come, his will be done. But we, there's, there's a part to that that God said, you have to partner with me on this. It's not just you praying this prayer for me to come. Now you have to step and you have to walk it out. If you want to see the power of God move, you want to see um, the source of God um, flow through you and the kingdom come to, heaven, or come to earth, then we have to walk it out. We can't be distracted by what's in the land. We can't be distracted by what's in the land. Amen, Jesus. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and let us take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him were not able to go up against the people, for they were stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours inhabitants. And all the people whom saw it in, in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. We saw the descendants. And we were like grasshoppers in. Listen to what it says here. Here's where I think the dysfunction came in. Here's where the dysfunction came in. Here's why a whole generation did not get the promises right here. Because they said, we saw them and they were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Do you think they were grasshoppers in God's sight? God had already promised the land. They had already brought back fruit from the land. Sometimes God will allow us to get a glimpse of what he's already promised us. And then he says, go get it. But sometimes from the time that we bring back the fruit and sometimes from the time we bring back the evidence, we'll talk ourselves out of it because of what we see or maybe what we think. Because sometimes we will allow dysfunctional people to talk us out of what God has already promised us. I've been there. Because I believe that there's things that God wants us to have. And sometimes the company that we allow to spend most of our life with 
Sometimes they're not going where you're going. Sometimes they're not going to go where you're going. And I just declare today that if you want the land, the, the promises of God in your life, then sometimes or maybe you might have to kick some people out. You might have to kick some people out. Because it's not that people are not bad. They're just not cut up to the place where you're wanting to go yet. Because sometimes God's saying, you don't need that extra baggage around you. You don't need that extra baggage of holding you back. But I think what God is doing in my life is, is he's, he's teaching me that sometimes I have this, this false kind of thinking where I think that I'm actually allowing God to, allowing God to um, flow through me and I'm allowing God's strength to be apparent. But in reality, I'm not. I'm allowing myself, my own strength, my own abilities. You see, Caleb had something else in mind. Caleb had already tapped into something greater because he knew they could take the land. He wasn't thinking about those giants. He was thinking about the promise that was already in his heart. And God began to talk to me about my confidence. You know, sometimes culturally we have this definition of confidence because sometimes confidence can be in an amount in an amount. You see, like God showed me that this, this $20, $10, $20, I wish it was $20. Jesus' name, we just pray right now. <laughs> Make this. But see, I'm only limited. I'm only limited to being able to purchase an item that is $10 or less with this right here because this is the only resource I have right now. But God began to show me that, that in the spiritual life, in the spiritual way, that if I don't put an amount on it, once I put an amount on it, because sometimes confidence, our own confidence, we put an amount on it, and then we limit it by putting a lid on the capacity. So when we actually begin to um, tap into the source of God, then that's whenever we see the lid of the capacity come off and then we're filled and contained because, because we don't want to limit the capacity of God in our life. We don't want to have just a little bit of confidence. We want to have all of God's confidence for our life. See, sometimes we pursue an amount and God is saying that you need to pursue the who. If you pursue the who, then you will get the amount that you need to take the land. God began to show me something in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And he said that as we talk about the promises of God, something I'd never really seen before, and I, I know you've probably seen it, and you may even study it out, but what God showed me was he said, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him they are amen. Now I want to ask you a question. What's the most vital piece of information in that text? 
It's in him. It's in him. What God began to show me was, as I began to unpackage what God was saying was, was the word in actually means in a fixed position. It means in a fixed position. It means that, that all of our resources are f- in a fixed position in him. If we want the promises of God, we can't look for Facebook or political platforms to give us the promises of God. Promises of God are optional. You may differ with me on that, but I still love you. Promise, the promises of God are optional. Here's why. Because I believe that God has already ordained joy for your life. You have a choice whether you want to walk in fulfillment of joy or not. I believe that God has already given you the spirit of peace in your life, but we have a choice whether we want to walk in peace. It's so true. That's why I think the promises of God are optional. That's why I think that we have to get in that fixed position with him. When we get in a fixed position with him in the place, in the state, it's all about his timing. If we're trying to create God's promises on our own, we'll never see them happen. That's why we have to be fixed in him. If we want to see the fulfillment of promises of God in our life, we have to be fixed in something that is greater than us. Something that is greater than us. Something that is greater than me, even whenever I don't feel like it. Even when my life is not is in shambles. Even when everything else around me is falling apart, all hell's breaking loose, I'm still fixing myself. Right. Even whenever I don't see the details of my promise, I'm still fixing myself in the position to receive what he's already said I could have. I'm not wavering from that position. See, I think that's the problem in, in my life is, is I'm not wavering from the position. That's where I have to keep my position in Christ, in him, place. I got to give him place. He has to have lordship over my life. He has to be the only kingdom in my life. The state of my mind has got to be completely infused with him. It's about him. I have to understand that sometimes the promises that God has not given me in my life is not because he doesn't love me. It may be because I'm just not arrived yet. Time. It's about his timing. But we got to create a place for him. We got to create a time. We got to create a a state of mind when we're in him if we want to see the promise of God activated in our life. And I believe that God wants to activate the promises in your life. I do. I really, really do. He said, we got to get in a fixed position if we want to see the promise of God. And here's what that fixed position looks like in John chapter 15. And this is in the uh, Passion Translation. He says, I am the sprouting vine. This is one of my favorite passages. And if you, if you don't read anything else in the Bible, go home and read chapter 15 of John. It will wreck your world. It's completely about a relationship between son and the father. <laughs> He said, I am the sprouting vine. Just real quick. Whenever I get out of line in my life, I go to this verse right here. It keeps me in alignment. I'm just saying. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I'm transparent because when, I, when I'm going through a lot of things and I've allowed my life to get just completely fall apart or get in another direction, I go back to this right here because I know that what I like, I don't like to hear, but it's good for my soul. It's good for my soul. He says, I am, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. 
And he says, as you live in union with me as your source, (laughs) there's the key, your source. As you live in union with me as your source, not the amount. Capacity is going to come. Here's where capacity comes. This is where capacity begins to swell up inside of you whenever you know that the sprouting vine, that you're connected in union with him as your major source. Two things will happen when you're connected to the major source right here. When you're in union with him, you will be fruitful. And you will be full of power. You will be full of power in your life. Because why do I know that? Because he says if you're not in union with me, then you're powerless or you're, and you are unfruitful. Without me, you can't do anything. I can't even get on this platform. I'm not, a very good, I'm not a very good talker sometimes, but when I get on this platform, I just sense the anointing of God. And it's all God when he takes over your life. He says that you bring forth fruit that streams from within you. So what he does is he stirs up what is already there. God has already put fruit and a stream inside of you. And when God put that inside of you, he, when you get in union with him, he just basically stirs it up is what he does. But you have to acknowledge him as your source and your resources. Man, as we sit here and we listen to this, this message, I guarantee you in my own life, there's times where I look to other resources to fill the void and to, fill, and to make me happy. Because I hear people say, I've heard pastors preach, and I, it encourages me, but then, the, but then the very next day I go out, the enemy is going to, he's going to try to bind you. The enemy is going to try to do everything that he possibly can to get you to look to him as your source. Because he's not going to bring encouragement to you, he's going to bring discouragement to you. And we'll buy into anything sometimes. And the reason that we buy into anything sometimes is because we're not in union with the one that we should be connected to. Because in his vine, he says, there is life support. (laughs) In his vine, there is support that is streaming in and through you. He's empowering you to take that next step. He's empowering you for every decision that you need for your business. He's empowering you to have every answer that you need for your, your, um, your marriage that is in shambles, that is completely torn apart. He has that, but you have to be in union with him. It's about walking. When you walk, when he walks, you walk. When he steps, you step. That's why you have to know his voice as your shepherd because he'll lead you beside the still waters. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to lead you and guide you. He said, separated from me, he said, you're powerless. We're nothing without him. That's what he's saying. You can't do anything on your own. It's all about me, he says. But here's one thing you can be confident of in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And it's just, as I just really allow God just to saturate my heart and as a sponge, just absorb this up. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he has, who has begun a good work in you. God has begun a good work in you. Will you partner with what God has already started? That's what he's asking you. That's what he's challenging That's what he's challenging me. That's what he wants to challenge us as individuals. Will you partner with him? Will you partner with the very thing that he's already started inside of you? He started a flame inside of you, and you want that fire to burn, and he wants to ignite it even more. Will we partner with what he's already begun? He said he started a good work in you. In other words, what we're doing is we are partnering 
with the work that's already started in us. We're not creating some work that on our own. We're just partnering with the work that's already started in us. And God knows that I need a lot of work internally. Jesus, help us. And that's why the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, I know there's a lot of scripture, but I just, I always, I always believe that that's going to make the best impression. Not my words, but his words. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. And I, I, I think this is the key right here. I think this is actually the key to what God has been teaching me and what God wants to teach us as, because I wish that, that, that somebody would have told me that I would never have problems whenever I got saved. I wish that somebody would have told me, hey, it's, it's very, very easy. It is, it is very, very easy. It's not easy. There's been times where I wanted to quit. I'm just being real. I'm being honest. There's been times I've questioned things. Don't see something happen the way that I want it to happen or it should have happened. Then there's sometimes I question things. But God begins to bring me right back to the place of union with him. And he says, it's, I'm enough for you. My grace is enough for you. It's more than enough. You can't go back to where you were because there's no bridge to take you back. There's nothing back there. Just like in Dylan's life, there was nothing to go back to. Sin was already depleted. Jesus Christ came in, he washed him, he cleansed him. And he said, even whenever I wanted to go back, there was something inside of me that said, you can't. <laughs> That's God. That's Jesus messing with your heart. That's Jesus messing with your heart. And that's the way that it should feel in our life. That's what we should experience in our life. When we're in union with God, when we get ready to revert back to our old ways, we should experience that power in our life, saying, uh-uh, like Pastor said, no, that's not who you are. That's not who I've destined you to be. That's not the land that I've asked you to occupy. <laughs> so God, he says here that um, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, but now... Much more in my absence, he says, to work out your own salvation. See, I think that sometimes we try to work out everybody else's salvation. We have everybody else's problems fixed. That's just the way we are. Like I could, I could tell you, I, could, I fix my wife's problems all the time. I don't. She fixes mine. She told me how to dress this morning, so I mean, no, she, but the reality of it is, that's the reality. We have answers to everybody else's problems. We don't have an answer to our own. That's why he says you've got to work out your own salvation. See, I'm still being rescued. I'm still being delivered. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't got to that place. I've not obtained it yet. I'm not checking out. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep plowing. Because he said once you put your hand to the plow, don't turn around and look back. But he says you have to work out your salvation. You've got to get a membership to his gym, and you've got to work out your salvation. You've got to work out your rescued state. You've got to work out your delivery state. You've got to work out your freedom. You've got to work it out. See, when Jesus comes in your life, he wipes away the sin and all these things in our life, and he makes us clean. He, he, he comes and makes residence in our life. He takes up residence because we ask him to come in. But guess what happens? It's our duty and our job to walk out our salvation. We have to walk out our freedom. We have to walk out our deliverance. See, there's some things in my life that are still hanging around. 
from years ago. You say, well, you're not saved. No, I don't believe that. I believe that I still have to walk out my freedom. I believe that sometimes I can put myself in environments and situations where those things will start to come back up and start blooming again, and I have to say no. That's why I can't, there's, there's certain places that I can go. There's certain things that I can look at, even today in my life. I can pick up my phone. There's certain things that I can't look at. There's certain places I can't go. I'm just being honest. There's certain places you can't go because that's not where grace is. Grace is right here. He said, don't step out of grace. Don't step away from me. You got to work out your salvation. You got to work it out with fear and trembling. There has to be a holy, a holy wow type fear. I used to look at that scripture and I say, well, God, he's not the, he doesn't bring the spirit of fear. But then when I begin to apply it to my life, it doesn't mean that. It just means that, hey, I'm, I'm in fearful that I'm not going to be, um, he's not going to help me. I'm, I'm fearful that I'm not going to be in his presence. It's a holy wow fear. Wow, God. That's what it looks like to walk as a son or daughter of God. When you will take upon yourself to walk out your salvation, that you won't allow somebody else to, to walk out your salvation. Because everybody in this room, and all of you watching online, by the way, we love you and we appreciate you. Because everybody that is watching this this morning, we're all accountable for our actions. We're all accountable for what we say, every word that proceeds out of the mouth. We're all accountable. But he says, if you'll be in union with me, he says, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll come alongside you, and I will give you grace to do it. And Apostle Paul, in uh, first Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in the Passion Translation, he said that um, Apostle Paul had seen all these revelations and and he went to this third heaven and, and all these kind of spiritual things. And God had just taken him up there. But to keep him from being conceited and from everybody to be exalting him, um, he was given, there was a messenger of Satan that came. And this messenger of Satan began, began to cause havoc in his life. And it began to cause disturbances and, and, and began to, to really just be like a, a thorn in his side. And some people have their own theories about what that was, but we're not going to get into that. That's not necessary. This is about the grace of God. This is about pursuing. This is about the grace of God, that, that God will give you the strength that you need in time of need, give you the strength that, that is allotted to you in time of need. But Paul, he pled with God. He said, God, would you take this, this, this thing away from me, this thorn? Would you take it away from me, this weakness? Would you just take it away? How many has ever pled for something in your life that didn't happen? And maybe sometimes I feel like in my own life, maybe not your life, but I feel like sometimes God leaves something in my life just to remind me. Because it wasn't God that brought that. It was the messenger of Satan that brings that. But sometimes what the enemy meant for harm, God used it for the good. Because God, even though the enemy brought these things against Paul, Paul said, you know what, I'm not going to invest my energy into something that I can't change. I'm going to invest my energy in something that can change it. <laughs> I'm going to make a lifetime investment into his grace because, see, grace is more than just one-time event. God began to tell me. He told me, he said, Chris, he goes, grace is more than an event. Grace is something that you need every day in your life. And you need to revert to that grace every single day because it's an influence that comes upon your heart. It's something that influences you from the inside out. So here's Paul. He, he says, Lord, take it away three times. Take it away from me. 
And God, Jesus, you know, he could have said anything that he wanted to say. He could have told that, commanded that to leave, and, and it would have been gone. But he comes back with a powerful statement that I think that we can apply to our own lives. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel right here. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, he said my grace is available, but you have to walk it out. <laughs> You have to work out your own salvation. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in times of weakness. In times of weakness. Listen to what he says in that verse 9 there in the, in the Passion Translation. I can find it here. I'm just going to go with the eighth verse. He says, so, so I will celebrate my weaknesses. For when I... When I when I'm weak, that's when I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living inside of me. When I'm weak, maybe you're weak this morning. Maybe you're feeble this morning. Maybe you're, 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 you're at a place in your life where you just feel like you've been depleted. You, you feel like that you are weak this morning. And God is saying today that your weakness can be the platform to your strength. And he says, so I'm not defeated by my weaknesses. But he said, I'm delighted in my weaknesses. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded by all these troubles, when I'm surrounded by all this dysfunction in the world, when I'm surrounded by all these things on every side, persecution because of my love for Jesus, he said, I'm made yet stronger. Listen to what he said. This is so powerful. He says, for when my weakness becomes, for, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. He said, when I'm weak, he said, that's when I'm the strongest. Because when I'm weak, that's whenever I know. See, when I think of weakness, I don't think of weakness of just, of some bad thing. But this is what weakness looks like if you want to see the grace of God more in your life. Jesus, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. God says, I know. I can see you in the posture that you're in, the state that you're in right now. I couldn't see it whenever you were standing because you're trying to do it in your own abilities. But when you lay your heart before me and you get in the desperate place that's whenever I'm more than enough that's when I'm going to influence you the most because greater in you Chris is greater than in the world and you can do all things through Christ through me who gives you strength that's, that means that everything channels through him moving from one side to the next but through him you see what I'm saying? And I realize that maybe you can't get down that far. But that's the place you got to get in your heart. You may not be able to lay on that floor, but you can put your heart on that floor. And you can say, Jesus, I can't do this. I can't, I don't know how to be a mom. You don't have to know how. He already knows how. 
There's times I say, God, I don't even know how to be a husband. Man, I'm messing this thing up. I'm really jacking this thing up, God. He says, let me help you. Let me be your father. Let me father you, and then you'll know how to father others. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.